0: So the question that uh, I posted this week and um, the question that we've been thinking about is what is the responsibility of a Christian? You know, we have lost meaning in life. Many people have lost meaning. They have no meaning because why? People do what satisfies them. They're, They're only thinking about the immediate. What do I want? And responsibility and meaning go hand in hand. The more responsibility you have, the more meaning you have. Think about this. Right now, I have a big new responsibility. What's my new responsibility? My babies, right? And think about that. What does responsibility mean? When someone has to change a diaper, who gets to do it? Me, right? When someone's crying at 4 a.m., guess who gets to do it? Me, right? There's a lot of responsibility that comes with And it's hard sometimes because I don't get to do what I want to do. One of the things that I've been doing now is taking him to the gym and making him run. Like he's too much energy that I have to go. I take him to the basketball court and just say run. I'll throw the ball and say run for it and he runs and then I'll run after him and we'll just run. And then after a while of running, I get bored and I'm like, man, I just want to play basketball right now, right? (laughs) And so I like, I'm like, I throw it far so that he'll like leave me alone so I can shoot a little bit. (laughs) But he'll start crying and coming to me. And it's like, ah, like responsibility is a hard thing. Can you agree with me? Anytime you have any, whether it's a job, whether it's a kid, whether it's a spouse, all of these things are responsibilities, but it adds meaning to your life, right? Like a kid has added another level of meaning. When he looks at me and says, dada, it's like, oh man, like I mean something to somebody so much. He looks at me like if I leave the room, he looks at me and like, oh my gosh, my comfort is not here. I have a a new sense of meaning. So I want to encourage you, when you think about the question of what is the responsibility of a Christian, this adds meaning to your life. We are living such meaningless lives where people just do whatever they feel and it leaves them empty. You have to think, what is God calling of you? What is the responsibility that I have? Okay, so here's where I feel like God has been putting on my heart and he put it very strongly, I feel like. And so I want to share this hopefully as well as I can. Um, my encouragement is, as best as you can, engage with this. Whether it's writing notes or putting some questions down to ask later, I really do believe that God has a word for us today. So it was interesting as when I posted this question, a few people replied. And one person said, I want to be a light. I want to be a light to other people. Another person said, I want to share the word of God with people. This is like in a group chat I had with some of the young guys. They're like, I'm trying to mentor them. And so I asked them, okay, those are great responsibilities. Are you doing it? And they said, no. (laughs) And it was so interesting. (laughs) We can list all of the responsibilities of the Christian today, but then it's up to you to do it or not. And so here is what I feel like God had. What is the responsibility of a Christian? Manage yourself. This is where we lack today as Christians. We don't know how to manage ourself. You, Some will be like, okay, that's selfish. Why don't you talk? You're, you're telling me to take care of myself only? And, and I don't know if you've ever been on a plane before. What, what do the air hostess always say about the face mask or the, uh, the mask that you put on? See, so the air hostess says, put it on yourself first before saving someone else. Why? Because you can't properly help someone unless you've helped yourself. Right? You will be fainting. If I go to try to help Zion first, I might be fainting and I might miss his face. And then both of us are done. What was the benefit? Take care of yourself, manage yourself, and then you will be able to help somebody else. The problem is, we are so interested in helping others and the things around us that we don't help anyone. I remember one of um, my friends went to a marriage counseling from a pastor, and the pastor was going through all of these things, and the pastor was saying, you know, love your wife. And then the pastor told the boy, you know, honestly, none of, none of this works in my marriage, but I know it'll work in your marriage. <laughs> and so I, he told me this, and he was like, honestly, I don't even want to listen to that guy's opinion, because if it doesn't work in your marriage, why are you telling me that? it made me laugh, it made me think we are ready to help everyone else help yourself first and when you help what God has given to you already, if you manage what God has given to you, you will overflow into other people it will be a witness for other people, you know one of the verses that I really like is Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and it says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know what Jerusalem is? It was where they were. It was the city. What is Judea and Samaria? The state and then to the rest of the world. We're ready to help the rest of the world. And he, he's saying, start where you're at. With what you have, start there. And it will overflow. I really want to encourage you, we have to learn to manage ourselves. If you do, I promise you there's victories that God has for you and people God is meaning for you to impact. But you never will till you take care of yourself. We're going to look at a few things from the life of David. We read that earlier. We're going to look at a few things and I'm going to reread it so we can see. So this is 1 Samuel 17, 16 through 20. For forty days the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took this stand. This is Goliath. Goliath came for forty days. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheese to the commander of their units. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. So we see that David eventually has a victory over Goliath. Who does David have a victory over? Goliath. And we're going to learn some qualities of David that I think we can take into our life. Obedience is a good one. Right? And not just obedience, right? Let's look at how he did it, right? He told him, hurry, right? Hurry and go do that. And what does David do? Early in the morning, he did it. Right? You have a choice how you act. With the things that God has given you, you have a choice how to be. And David chose the path of excellence, right? He always chose to be excellent. Not only was he excellent to go obey what his father said, he was even mindful that he didn't even want to leave the sheep by themselves. He was so mindful that he like, let me leave someone in charge of the responsibility that I have. So managing yourself is excellence in what you have control over. You see a picture of a little baby, right? A little baby is just watering the plant. One of the things I've learned is already I'm giving Zion responsibility. Because the more responsibly I give him, the more he takes on and the more he's able to handle. I want to challenge you, there is plenty of things that God has already given in your life. You're thinking, what do I need to do? How do I serve him? He's given you plenty to do already. Look throughout the Bible, right? And you see, anyone who was excellent in what they did in their day-to-day was called by God. This is a story of a man who went to a burning bush. Who was that? Moses, okay? Let me ask, where was Moses when God called him? He was taking care of the sheep. He was doing his job. Can you agree with me? There was another story of a prophet who puts the pro- his mantle on another prophet. Who was this? Elijah puts his mantle on Elisha. Elijah. When Elijah called Elisha to the, prof- to the prophetic work, where was Elisha? He was working in the field. When Peter and John were called by Jesus, what were they doing? They were catching fish. And how long had they been catching fish? The whole night. One thing I've learned is if you want to be called by God, it's not meant for the lazy people. It is meant for those who are working in their fields in excellence. I want you to think about that. When you go to work, that is your offering to God. Every one of these people who are so big, we talk about them 2,000, 5,000, however many years later, they were called by God because they were excellent in what they were doing. I want to challenge you, God has already given you so much that if you will just take advantage of it and say, I want to use this for God, God will be so pleased. He doesn't need more than that. Whatever He has given you, take advantage of it. And make that your place of service to God. You know, one thing I said is this. David had qualities and excellence of a king before he was the king. He was getting himself ready for where God needed him. Every one of these people were getting themselves ready for where God needed them. But if you can't take advantage or work where God has already called you, don't think he wants to send you to the next place. So then we start to think for ourselves, what are the things that God has given in your hand? What do you have control over in your day-to-day life? I'm going to write some things down. What are some things that we are, you can manage? Nobody else is managing it except you. What are some things that you have? One of the greatest resources God has given you is your time and the one we waste the most. We can get on our phone and scroll, and this is conviction to me. God says, manage your time well. What else? Money is a good one. Money is a resource God has given you, not to be, sh- not to be treated as a God, but it's to be something as a resource that you can take advantage of and use. What else? I'm going to put ai li- I have a list of things. Your thoughts, your words, your actions. No one controls these th- three things except you. Yet how little control we have sometimes over our mouth. How little control sometimes we have over our thoughts. And God is saying, you want to be used by me? I need you to take that. And I need you to take that responsibility for those things first. I I wanted to add this one in. Your space and your home. Do you manage your space well? You know, one of the things God always convicts me of, can you manage the house I've given you now? Can you keep it clean? Which means that when I'm vacuuming every night and I'm like, Archie's fur literally gets everywhere, and I hate it. But my obedience to God is this, let me take care of what he's given me well. I'm going to vacuum every night. I'm going to do it every night. I try to do as much as I can. right? right? I vacuum. I try to wash my dishes. All of the things God has given you is for you to manage well. What else? Your health. No one manages your health except you. Again, yes, your spouse may help you in the process, but you at the end of the day, each one of us, these are gifts of God. Do you understand how how much of a gift your health is? The second you lose your health, you recognize that. Your health is a gift of God. The the Bible says your body is a temple of God. So I was even going to say what you eat, Choosing not to eat that dessert, this is conviction for me. Choosing not to eat that dessert is sometimes worship to God because I'm managing what God has given me. And I'm not saying I'm going to be like a a monk who sits in a corner not eating anything bad ever. I, I let myself have dessert once or twice a week. But it's controlling this thing. The thing that God has given me, I want to manage well. Exercise is a part of health. What else? Right? our relationships with one another. No one manages your relationships with your spouse, with your siblings, with your parents, with your children, with your friends, no one does it except you. You have to, and obviously it's a mutual thing. You can try for some people, I've tried with some people, and they don't reciprocate and it's okay. But you have a responsibility in your relationships. What else? Your disciplines. You know, choosing every day what you do with your time, and it kind of connects to time, choosing to say, okay, every day I want to spend time reading the word, I want to spend time praying. Your mission. You know, every one of us have a mission, and it's our responsibility to live into the mission that God has for us. And this is a very extensive list. Can you agree with me? And when you look at this, you might feel like, Oh my goodness, there is so much to do. And you start. if you just start there, it's almost a full-time job being a Christian. Can you agree with me? One of the difficulties is you don't get to turn off. You don't get to, you know, like with a job, after, after 4 p.m., I get to go home. As a Christian, it's 24-7. What do you do with yourself? How do you manage yourself? The interesting thing is as you manage yourself, there's victories for you. There are victories for you. I'm going to read a story of a lady who was uh, paralyzed. So there was a young lady in South Sea on the English seacoast. This is in, in Britain who was paralyzed from the waist down. A devoted Christian, she came across James 14 to 16 about the elders of the church anointing the sick with oil. So there's a verse in James chapter 5 that says, if you will be anointed with oil and you'll confess your sins and be prayed over, you'll be healed. When her pastor visited her, she showed him the verse and asked her to anoint him, but he didn't believe that God did that today, and he declined. Later, the assistant pastor came, and she asked him. Without hesitation, he agreed, and her mother found a bottle of oil, and the young minister anointed the girl and prayed for her. Guess what? Nothing happened. But the girl told everyone who visited her, look what I found in the Bible, and I've had this done to me. But there was still no immediate change. Weeks passed into months, and after six months, she started getting worse. She felt more pain. Her legs were crossed, and she was in worse condition. However, she said, through, she said often through her tears, while she was in pain, look what I found in the Bible, and I've had this done to me. Another three months went by. One night, in extreme pain, she asked her mother not to touch her, but to prepare her for sleep. Her mother left the room weeping. I think I'm crying because how much faith do you have to do that? Nine months. The girl lit quietly praying. Suddenly the room was alight with the presence of Jesus. And she heard his voice, arise in thy strength. Her legs instantly uncrossed. Miraculously, her muscles were strengthened. She rose from her bed and went to the door of her room saying, Mom, Mom, come and see what Jesus has done. And her mother fainted. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? All she had was what she could control, which was her words and her thoughts. That's all she can control. And for nine months, she said, look what God is going to do for me. Look at what God has done. So I just want to challenge each one of you. You may not feel like you have control in some of the aspects of your life, And it may feel chaotic, but submit it to God and recognize God wants that. He wants dominion over each one of these things. And we learned from David very early on, he was ready to give up certain things early on. So I want to ask you a question. This is a question for reflection. I'll post this later this week. What is one area of your life that you have control over that, that you need to be more excellent? You know, of all of these things that I put on the list, maybe you're like, I need to be better with my time. Be honest. Say that. Start by just being honest and saying it. And I believe that there's a healing as you begin the process. So the first thing I believe in managing yourself is that, the, or to manage yourself is there's an excellence in what you have control over. The second thing we have, we're going to read, continue reading from 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 through 37. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on a can of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. So one thing that I see from this is um, he managed himself in the everyday battles. You know, it was really interesting, me and Emmy on the talk this morning, we were talking about confidence. Where does confidence come from? And it's what you do every single day determines your confidence. Why was David so confident in God? Because he had already seen him work, right? In the responsibility that he had when nobody was looking, in the responsibility that he had, he was excellent every day. Think about it. A bear comes and you tell your dad, okay, dad, hey, I'm sorry. I lost one sheep. A bear took it. Any dad would be like, cool. You know, like you have your life, (laughs) right? If a lion came, I'd be like, Zion, let them have two sheep. I'm okay. We'll take, take a little loss for the day. Any father would have been okay. But what did he say? Every day is my offering to God. So just like you have control over certain things, Every day is your battle. I want you to hear me when I say this. The battle of Christian life is every single day. And we have lost that. We are the Sunday Christians. We are the, let me take a selfie of me in Africa doing missions. Like, oh, I love, people love going on mission trips somewhere. I love it. I'm glad. If God calls you to go to missions, do that. But do you understand there's a mission field here you know, there's a mission field in your home. There's a mission field in your church. Yet everyone runs to somewhere else to go do a mission work. Why? Because we love the big stage. You have to recognize every day is your offering to God. And David understood that. David looked and said, even if it's just one sheep, I will be excellent in that. Even if it's just one sheep, I won't let a bear beat him. And so he saw the hand of God. I want to challenge you. You have to have victories every single day over these things. You have to have victories and take it seriously. See, the problem is we don't take it seriously enough. We take certain things seriously. We don't take every day seriously. So I want to challenge you. Have victories in your day-to-day life. Let me ask you. uh, So, you know, one of the things we like to do, one of the things is when we talk, when we talk with other people, what do you talk about? Rather than always talking about other people, talk about God in your conversations. That's one victory you can have. And guess what happens as you start talking about God? When you're given a situation with a non-believer, guess what happens? You can talk with God. You know why we don't talk, ha- can't talk to non-believers about God? Because we don't even talk to believers about God. Have a victory in your private life. Have a victory in your private life. And I'm telling you this, then there's a confidence. It was, really, it was really cool. An, an example of this, yesterday, when we went to the nursing home, you know, my, my mom shared a small passage, and there was a little bit of time, and she looked over at me and was like, do you want to share something? I was like, I didn't prepare anything. You know what I mean? I like to prepare and say something. But literally, I was like, okay, fine. You know, this is something I do. I love, talk. I love talking about God genuinely. And so I went and read the passage, and just very quickly, God gave me an idea. But it made me think, where did that first victory start? When I'm at the dinner table with Hepsi and I'm like, hey, like, what do you think about this? What do you think is lacking in the believers today? And so yesterday I talked about having a self-worth. I talked like It was talking about how Jesus understood who he was. And I talked about you have to know your self-worth. And I was able to talk to those people and they were so happy. It's not me. It's when you take victories in your day-to-day life, You recognize the small moments are your sacrifice to God. You're talking with people, your thoughts, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. Have those victories and guess what happens? It leads into the public sphere. When you go amongst non-believers, you can say something. Have victory in your private time every single day. So if you think about that for a second, your routines matter too. Another part of that is as you start to think about those minor details of your day, recognize that what you're doing every single day matters. Focus on your routine. What are the rhythms of your life and how are they impacting you? Notice yourself. If you come home from work and you're tired and you end up just getting on your phone, recognize that. I spend an hour on my phone right when I come home from work. Does that benefit me? Am I having a victory in that or am I just being lazy, right? Choose. Choose your rhythms. Notice your rhythms and choose your rhythms because the victories in private will be your victories in public. And finally, I end with this. Managing yourself prepares you for the public, as I've been reiterating over and over. You know, David, because he was willing to have those victories by himself when no one was looking, every single day in the moment where he was needed by God, he was able to be used. Don't you want to be used by God? Can I ask you that honestly? Do you want to be used by God? I pray that that answer is an honest and genuine yes. But it takes a lot of you. It takes, like, when you commit to God, hear me when I say this, He wants all of you. He doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. And so if you ask God, God, I want to be used by you, you better get ready to give up some things because that list is pretty extensive. But when you give it up, being used by God is one of the greatest joys in my life. I'm telling you this, it's more more rewarding than anything when you're used by God. Think about this. like David, nobody saw him beat the lion. Nobody saw him beat the bear. But then one day there was a time that they all saw Right, he, They all saw it with Goliath. Like God just wants to say, are you going to be faithful to me? He wants to use you. Do you understand that? He wants to use everyone, not just me. He wants to use everyone, but we just don't give him ourself. You don't dedicate yourself. I'll give you one more story of this and I'll end. So one of the things that I think we as Christians have to do is where we go, we need to be a light. So small things that I do is when I see a cashier, I'll ask them, hey, how are you doing today? And you know, that takes victory in myself. Obviously, I need time. If I'm in a hurry, I can't do that. So I have to manage my time. I have to manage my emotions. That's something I didn't even put up there. If I'm so worried about myself, guess what? I'm not worried about your life. I already have enough on my plate. I don't have to worry about you. So I, again, I, I have those victories. And then at the end of the day, I saw my mission, And I know my mission is to love people. So I just asked one cashier at PetSmart, hey, how are you doing today? And normally people will just say good to end the conversation. Or just, you know, you don't want to open up your life to some random person. But this guy one day, he was like, I'm not doing good today. And I was like, okay, that's new. No one ever says that to me. What's going on? Can you tell me? And so Daniel tells me, well, he was like, well, there's people in line. Just check out and then I'll come talk to you. So Daniel came up to me after he checked the next person out, and he was like, yeah, honestly, I'm homeless right now. He told me um, he had been, him and his girlfriend were living together, and they broke up, so she kicked him out. So what he would do is he would uh, literally, he would go to the YMCA to take a bath. He would, like, go to the, 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 uh, the sink, take some water, rub his body. He bought a dart pass, so he would get on the dart from 12 to 6 and just sleep on the bus. And he said, I have nowhere to stay. And he was like, I was like, I'm so sorry, man. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so but then I thought, you know, if God has given me a resource to help someone, why can't I? So then I got his number and I reached out to some friends of mine. And we, had, we all kind of pulled some money together. And we, got, we were able to get him one month's rent so that he could stay somewhere. And, you know, there was nothing breathtaking or nothing. No Goliath fell that day. You know, it's not like he became a Christian. But there was a few beautiful things. I think the first beautiful thing I recognize is that he got to see a glimpse of Jesus in the world, right? I may never get credit for it. He may never think about me, but that's all Jesus did for us. He came to us when we were dead in our sins, and he loved us. So he got to see Jesus. Jesus came to me and blessed me even though I didn't deserve it. Why can't we do that for other people? But the most beautiful part was this. Like two weeks later after he had lived in the house, he texted me and he said, hey man, do you know any good churches nearby? I want to go check it out. And that made me so happy. I never once told him about Jesus because, you know, when Christians push it too much, it pushes people away. He himself wanted to go to church. Why? Because as we do what we're supposed to do and we have our victories, man, God works. There's a verse that says, Peter, or no, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God brought the, uh, the upbringing. Brought, God brought the fruit. And it's this idea that if each one of us will just take our duty and manage ourselves, how many people can we impact in this world? How many? How many can come to know the Lord through your life? Really, we can go overseas to a mission and try to help people, and I love that if God calls you to that, do that but there are many here today who just need the love of Jesus. So look to the life of David as we learned today. You know, we, had, we had looked at three things, and I'll just reiterate them before I wrap up. The first thing David did was he managed himself in excellence over the things that he could control. I'm going to send you this list later, but there are things that you have control over. There's plenty of things in life you don't have control over, but there's plenty you do have control over. Can you manage with excellence what God has already given you? Can you manage with excellence every day? Every day is your offering to God. And finally, I want you, as you manage yourself, prepare yourself for the public because what God, what starts in the private, God always takes out. God never leaves it there. He always takes it out. So I want to encourage you. We are one, you are one decision away from changing your life and the life of many. You are one decision away, and the only decision is Can I manage myself? Can I do with this life what God has given me to do? Honestly, I want you to ask that question. Can you do what God has called of you? And this is not an easy thing because it's so easy to say, yes, right now, I want to do it. And then by Tuesday, you're not even thinking about it. I want you genuinely to think about that. Can I manage myself? And I can just say this very transparently. I think God was speaking to me through this because sometimes it's hard. I want to do more for God. And God said, take care of what I've given you now. You have two new children, take care of them. You have a wife who just gave birth, take care of her. So when I'm speaking to you with so much passion and zeal, I'm talking to me right now. God has a purpose for each one of us. And only if you will begin to manage yourself And the things God has given you, he will take you to the next place. So I'm going to end with a quick word. Dear Lord, we come to you today, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for letting us come to listen to your word, Lord. And hopefully, Lord, let the seed go down deep, God. God, I pray that seed that was planted would go down deep, Lord, and produce fruit. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, Lord, let there be victory today, God. I pray if anyone has any issues in their life or anything that they don't feel control over, God, I pray you'd give them a victory over the things that they can control and let go of the things that they need to let go of, God. This morning is a morning of victory, God. We proclaim it in the name of Jesus, God. We thank you, God, that you're moving on behalf of people, God. And I pray, Lord, more than anything, God, more than just Sunday and Monday, Lord, I pray by Tuesday and Wednesday, God, let there be victory, God, on Friday and Saturday when we're not even thinking about you, God. Let us have victory, God, in the name of Jesus. God, we're believing this morning is a morning of victory, God. Lord, rise up a generation. Rise up a generation who take seriously themselves. God, you've called us for a purpose. You've called us for a purpose. God, I thank you, God. That's the things that the little things that we can control. We're going to give it to you, God. And so we say, thank you, God. We thank you for hearing our prayer. We give you all the glory and the honor. And we just say, thank you, God. Help our worship and our life be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray.